Joe Biden admits that he doesn't believe kids are people. <laughs> and he is packing his cabinet with people who agree. From partial birth abortion cheerleader Xavier Becerra to child mutilation advocate Rachel Levine, who is a man, the Biden administration makes their hatred for kids painfully obvious. And if you dissent, the religion of wokeism will damn you. Now, lest you think I exaggerate, the child haters prepare to pass the legislative pipe dream the Equal Rights Amendment, which is just Orwellian gobbledygook for the political power to damn you and your children. Sound fun, huh? I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. These are, uh, these are dark times, and they're dark times because the very institution predisposed to hold government to account and to advocate on behalf of tiny little image bearers who dwell in a womb that our Savior once entered human history in have abdicated the political sphere and said, we as Christians in the church, we're not political, so we're just going to preach the gospel, which is a political message because it says that we serve a monarch and a king and he's coming back to rule. Um, but we're not going to engage in the earthly political sphere right now because of our witness. Well, that abdication of duty has simply led to pagans who hate God and don't hold a Judeo-Christian worldview which founded this country to fill in those political institutions of power and to advocate on behalf of their worldview, which is a very strange religious view of leftism and of Gnostic dualism, which says that the body is all that matters, uh, or the body doesn't matter, our souls are all that matters, and so we can uh, essentially re reinvent ourselves and just tinker with human nature until we get the solution just perfect. Well, that type of uh, policies and political advocation has consequences, and we're going to dive into a lot about uh, how deep and evil those consequences are for this country, and particularly for pro-life individuals and the church writ large. But if you haven't given the show a rating and review yet, please go ahead and do so. It really helps us reach more people, especially during a time uh, when these kind of voices are going to get increasingly silenced, right, and canceled and censored. So go on over to iTunes, give us five stars, give us a quick little review, let us know what you think, and that will help this show climb up the ratings so when people are listening to semi-related content, they'll see this show, hopefully tune in and get inspired, equipped to engage the culture for life. So Joe Biden recently said that he doesn't believe that kids are people. And I want to I want to play you this, uh, I don't know, dark, disturbing, hilarious, whatever word you want to use, clip. Joe Biden was recently at a town hall in February of uh, this month uh, with Anderson Cooper. Uh, and he's hardly made any media appearances anyways. This was one of his, his first primary ones. And he tells Anderson Cooper that everyone knows I like kids better than people. So let's play this short clip. Good to be back, man. That's nice to see you, sir. And you know you enjoy being home with a baby more. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I do, yes. Yeah, he's nine and a half months, so I, I'm very happy. It. No, no. Everybody knows I like kids better than people. I so saw a picture of you with your grandson recently. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, firstly, it's always kind of weird to hear pro-abortion advocates talk about how they love children and their grandchildren. You've heard Nancy Pelosi do this before as well, right? She talks about how much she loves her grandkids, how many she has. It's always a little bit creepy. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's kind of the grandmother of abortion, one of the best friends of the abortion industry. And Joe Biden has grandchildren as well. And he's talking about his grandchildren. He's talking about Anderson Cooper's baby. Anderson Cooper, married gay man, raising a child, depriving that child of a mother. Uh, but they're talking about babies, right? Children, how wonderful babies are. We're very happy. He's nine and a half months old. I mean, both both of these men support abortion through point of birth. Um, so it's always kind of creepy to hear pro-abortion people talk about how they love babies and children. But, you know, someone might say, well, Seth, that's just, a, you know, he's just, he just made a mistake. He didn't actually mean that he doesn't believe kids are people. And sure, I don't actually believe that Joe Biden thinks that his uh, grandchildren or, you know, three-year-old toddlers are not people. I don't think he actually believes that, but it's a Freudian slip, right? A Freudian slip is when you say one thing but mean your mother. You're kind of revealing what you actually believe. So now, does he actually think that two-year-olds and three-year-olds are not people? No, but he doesn't believe that babies in the womb are people. <laughs> so when he says, everyone knows that I like kids more than people, eh, Freudian slip, you're kind of telling us what you actually believe. The smallest kids, the smallest children, those who dwell in wombs, <laughs> are deprived of personhood. And that's a position you've advocated for and defended your entire political career, Joe 
Biden. By the way, Joe Biden has grandchildren that he refuses to acknowledge, right? Hunter Biden is sleeping around with, I think, a stripper impregnating her. He's got two grandchildren that he refuses to acknowledge. He refuses to welcome into the family. He refuses to treat as family. And then I don't believe he's even met. That's a very mean thing to do. That's a very calloused, cold-spirited, evil thing to do, to not acknowledge your biological grandchildren because doing so is not conducive to your political life and the way that your life is framed to the American public. That's a very cruel, mean thing to do. So when he says, yeah, I'm spending time with my grandchildren, well, not all of them, not the ones that you refuse to acknowledge, the kids that you don't treat like people. But this gets sort of to the deeper debate within the pro-abortion movement, right, which is this idea of personhood or whether you're a person or a people or not, right? The pro-abortion movement, of course, believes that only persons have rights, right? So they believe that the unborn child is a human non-person because they know that the unborn child is biologically human, but they say it's not a person. Now, of course, as I t tell you guys all the time, anyone t that tells you the unborn child is a human but not a person, just ask them, firstly, what's the difference between a human and a person? And secondly, ask them if they've never ever met a human that's not a person, because I just don't know what human non-persons look like. But this is the type of language that they have to use to justify their position to themselves and to the American public, because otherwise they would have to defend the belief that they support murdering human persons, little babies. The pro-abortion movement believes that personhood and rights, or your value, is not based on who you are, it's based on how you function. So they confuse human value with human function. The pro-life movement says that we're valuable because of a human nature, because the human nature is the only thing we have in common, and that human nature began at the moment of conception. But pro-aborts will say it's how you perform, it's your functions. Now, which functions are necessary to have rights? Ah, well, that's subjective, you see, and the power class gets to decide what functional checkboxes you must meet in order to have personhood. So that's the deeper philosophical assumption that Joe Biden makes when he treats some people as not people, those that he dehumanizes and denies that first and most important of all rights to, the right to life to unborn children. But it's hilarious. It's a Freudian slip because obviously Joe Biden doesn't believe that all kids are people. He doesn't believe that preborn children are people. Uh, so we're going to get to more of this in just one second because Joe Biden is packing his administration with people who believe the same thing, <laughs> people who don't believe that kids are people, that preborn kids are people. And that not only is it justifiable to attack those children to, and mistreat them, but it's actually a good thing to do. Um, it's actually reproductive health care. It's actually equality before the law. And we're going to get into that more in a second. But first, I want to hear from you guys, okay? We'll begin creating more episodes on this show soon. We'll be moving to two episodes a week soon. And we want to begin hearing from you and answering your questions on this show. There's a lot going on in the country right now. And there's a lot going on in the pro-life movement uh, in this, this push now as the Democratic Party has the House, the Senate, and the White House to, uh, to put into legislative uh, approval everything that they've ever wanted on the issue of abortion. So we need to fight on this front, and you need to remain informed and equipped. But if you have any questions about the issue of abortion or about what we talk about on the show, email me at unaborted at sethgruber.com. That's unaborted at sethgruber.com. So we can hear from you, answer your questions on this show, and engage this issue more fully with you. We'll be right back in one more second. So Joe Biden has selected Xavier Becerra as his nomination to head the Health and Human Services Department, right, the HHS. Now, Xavier Becerra is attorney general in California, took that position after Kamala Harris right, became senator in California, and she was formerly the um, California attorney general. And Xavier Becerra has long been an enemy of preborn children, of conscience rights, of religious freedom, and of course, first and foremost, of the preborn. I want to give you a short briefer on Xavier Becerra before we dive into his similar botched ideology that he shares with Joe Biden, which is that preborn kids aren't people and exactly what that worldview and the, the, the danger that that worldview poses to this American experience, to liberty writ large, and to the right to life. So Xavier Becerra, when he became attorney general in California, you guys need to be aware of this if you're not already, he continued Kamala Harris's criminal prosecution against citizen journalists who had exposed Planned Parenthood's role in illegally selling dead baby body parts. This is, this is human body parts trafficking. This is illegal. It's against federal law. 
um, whether that those human body limbs were from preborn children or born individuals. It breaks federal law. Rather than prosecuting Planned Parenthood, who was exposed in breaking federal law, Kamala Harris prosecuted the whistleblowers, raided their apartment to get more video footage so they couldn't release this. And at the time, Planned Parenthood was lining Kamala Harris's pockets with cash because they were one of her greatest political campaign donors to prep her for her Senate run. So it's not an exaggeration to say that Kamala Harris was prostituting her attorney general duties to her political campaign donors. And no other undercover journalist in California history has ever been criminally prosecuted for participating in undercover journalism that exposed illegal activity. Well, um, Xavier Becerra just continued that case against David Daleiden and Sandra Merritt, who exposed Planned Parenthood's role in illegal baby, baby parts trafficking. Secondly, Xavier Becerra took his bigotry all the way to the Supreme Court and this was at the end of the Obama administration, perhaps you remember this, to force California pro-life pregnancy centers to adverti advertise and refer for abortion. So they actually had to have a sign on the wall of their pregnancy care clinic as to where you could go butcher your baby if you didn't want to uh, use their services to care for your baby. I mean, this would be like forcing PETA to advertise for the local butchery and running ads for it, where to get the best and finest meat in your city. I mean, this is unreal, right? Obviously a violation of freedom of speech and conscience rights. Uh, continuing here, Xavier Becerra, while attorney general in California, actually sued the federal government in 2017 during the Trump administration to reimpose a federal mandate under Obamacare to force insurance providers, okay, to provide contraceptives regardless of religious opposition. Now remember, Catholics are opposed to contraceptives. Obviously they're opposed to abortifacients, right, which can actually cause early abortions, but they're also opposed to any form of contraception, right, be that the birth control pill, condoms, diaphragms, things that are not abortifacient, uh, because Catholics believe that we should respect sort of the God-ordained model for procreation. Children are a blessing, and we shouldn't be trying to avoid having those blessings because we don't want too many kids. This is sort of the Catholic perspective. Well, the Little Sisters of the Poor, a group of Catholic nuns who feeds the poor, fought the lawsuit in order to keep a religious exemption to the contraception mandate. They didn't want to be forced by the federal government to pay for contraceptives, some of them being abortifacient contraceptives, in their healthcare plans for nuns who don't have sex anyways. I mean, this is just ridiculous, right? And this is what the Obama administration tried to force the Little Sisters of the Poor to do. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Little Sisters of the Poor, but Xavier Becerra took his bigotry back to them anyways to try to force them to comply. So this action resulted in a suit by the state of California against the Little Sisters of the Poor, which is currently under consideration in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So there you go. There, there is Xavier Becerra's not just pro-abortion bigotry, but Catholic bigotry as well. Lastly, while in Congress back in 2003, I believe, uh, and prior, Xavier Becerra voted in favor of partial birth abortions, which we're going to get into in just a second. But that's your briefer on Xavier Becerra, okay? Well, Xavier Becerra is currently in Senate hearings, uh, right? To being questioned, to, uh, to, to be vetted, to see if he will receive enough votes to become Joe Biden's uh, placement to lead the HHS. Well, Mitt Romney, in these briefings and questions, um, actually held Xavier Becerra's feet to the flames. And this was surprising to me and, and of great encouragement because, uh, you know, Mitt Romney is one of the biggest squishes in the Republican Party and Senate. But he went after Becerra for his ghoulish, disgusting, demonic um, support for partial birth abortions. I mean, this is something that should disqualify you to hold public office, supporting murdering infants halfway out of the womb. And so um, I'm very encouraged by this. This might be one of Mitt Romney's highest points, uh, highlights in his entire political career. So let's play this uh, clip here of, of Mitt Romney here grilling uh, Xavier Becerra for his, his refusal to vote to end partial birth abortions during his time in Congress. Most people agree that partial birth abortion uh, uh, is awful. Uh, you voted against a ban on partial birth abortion. Why? So, Senator here, um, I, I understand that people have different deeply held beliefs on, on this issue, and, and I respect that. Uh, I have worked, as I've mentioned, for decades trying to protect the health of men and women, young and old. Uh, and as Attorney General, my job has been uh, to follow the law and make sure others are following the law. And I'm also sitting in front of a high-risk OBGYN who for several decades had the work of protecting the health of women and a, a future baby. 
And so I, I will tell you that when I come to these issues, I understand that we may not always agree uh, on where to go, but I think we can find some common ground on these issues because everyone wants to make sure that if you have an opportunity, you're going to live a, a healthy life. And I will tell you that I, I hope to be able to work with you and others to reach that common ground on so many different issues. I think we can reach common ground on many issues, but on partial birth abortion, it sounds like we, we're not going to reach uh, common ground there. Go Mitt Romney. Yep, no common ground there, Xavier Becerra. So Xavier Becerra, attorney general in California of this botched state where I live and am fighting for the right to life and liberty, he says, you know, I, I understand people hold very deeply held beliefs on these issues, and I respect that. I respect you, Mitt Romney, for thinking that we shouldn't murder babies as they're halfway out of the womb during a partial birth abortion. I respect people who hold deeply held beliefs that differ from me on these topics. And so that's why I tried to jail pro-life undercover journalists for exposing Planned Parenthood who donates to my political campaigns in their illegal trafficking of dead baby body parts on the black market because I respect their deeply held beliefs. That's why I took my bigotry all the way to the Supreme Court to try to force those who hold differing beliefs very deeply on, on pro-life issues to not refer for abortions at clinics where they try to save babies from abortion because I respect their deeply held beliefs. This is why I tried to force Catholic nuns to pay for abortion-inducing drugs and contraceptives against their deeply held religious beliefs because I respect their deeply held religious beliefs and we have to cater for the health of women and that's why, you know, I support murdering preborn women because I'm an advocate for women's rights, okay? So there, I just translated euphemistic bigotry into reality for you. That's what Xavier Becerra is saying to one of the greatest squishes in the Republican Party, Mitt Romney, who gets this exactly right. It looks like we're not going to find common ground on chopping off the heads of infants while their legs are flailing outside of the vaginal canal, waiting for the warmth of their mother's hands and arms. Well, that's who Xavier Becerra is. Mitt Romney asked him why. Why would you do that? Why would you vote against a ban on partial birth abortions? Because he's a fetal bigot. Because he hates kids. Because like Joe Biden, who's nominating him to lead the HHS, he doesn't believe kids are people. As long as they're pre-born kids. As long as they're located six inches away in a womb designed to hold them from which Xavier Becerra was delivered safely. Because every pro-choicer is very grateful that their mother wasn't exercising her right to choose. Now, I need to dive into partial birth abortions a little bit with you on this show, okay? I actually wanted to show you partial birth abortion photos, um, and this is something I'd support showing in the public square. The problem is, is that the abortion industry has worked very hard to ensure that nobody ever sees pictures of partial birth abortions. I know that I'm a member of the pro-life movement. I grew up in the pro-life movement. I've held dead baby... Uh, uh, photo signs on college campuses, and the pro-life movement has never been able to really get their hands on partial birth abortion photos. Photos of the baby being killed during partial birth abortions, or laying on the pan where the abortionist tossed the child after its head was cut off by the abortionist. The reason why we can never get these photos is because the abortion industry understands that if those photos were shown to the American public, oh my gosh, right? Public opinion would shift considerably against abortion, because partial birth abortions were performed even in the second trimester, the second and third trimester. Um, and that does make up uh, tens of thousands of abortions every year in America. And that's simply too ghoulish for the American public to handle. But I, I need to dive into this with you because this is actually a very good philosophical strategy for you to use in conversations on abortion. I, I want to show you how you can use partial birth abortions to force those who are pro-choice to recognize the demonic nature of their position. But before we get to that, I want to read to you um, from a congressional subcommittee hearing back in 1995, where a nurse by the name of Pratt, uh, Brenda Pratt Schaefer explains exactly what happens in a partial birth abortion. And the reason we're diving into this is because Xavier Becerra, who's going to lead the Health and Human Services Department while denying health to preborn children and endangering the health of women obtaining abortions, voted against the partial birth abortion ban in 2003, which luckily did go through and was signed by President Bush. Okay, so Nurse Brenda Pratt Schaefer was this nurse who worked for abortionist, abortionist Martin Haskell. Okay, now you probably don't know who Martin Haskell is unless you're very entrenched in the pro-life movement. He's considered to be the creator of the partial birth abortion procedure, okay? And 
uh, Brenda Pratt Schaefer witnessed these abortion procedures, including partial birth abortion, which understandably left her traumatized. And so she testified before a congressional subcommittee in 1995 explaining her experiences in working for Mar Dr. Martin Haskell. For just three days, she worked for him. And her soul was so blackened and darkened and her conscience so seared, she couldn't handle working for him for more than three days. But here's a portion of what she had to say. And then um, as I begin reading this, we're going to show you a little bit of animated pictures of what happens to the baby in medically accurate depictions during a partial birth abortion. So here's what Brenda Pratt Schaefer had to say in 1995. Dr. Haskell brought the ultrasound in and hooked it up so he could see the baby. Then, 26 and a half weeks into pregnancy, by the way, a baby has been born at 21 weeks and zero days at the end of 2019 and went home before the summer of 2020 and survived, born in America, okay? On the ultrasound screen, I could see the heart beating. I asked Dr. Haskell and he told me, yes, that is the heartbeat. As Dr. Haskell watched the baby on the ultrasound screen, he went in with forceps and grabbed the baby's legs and brought them into the birth canal. Then he delivered the body and arms all the way up to the neck. At this point, only the baby's head was still inside. The baby's body was moving. His little fingers were clasping together. He was kicking his feet. All the while, his little head was still stuck inside. Then. Dr. Haskell took a pair of scissors and inserted them into the back of the baby's head. Then he stuck a high-powered suction tube into the hole and sucked the baby's brains out. I almost threw up as I watched him do these things. Next, Dr. Haskell delivered the baby's head, cut the umbilical cord and delivered the placenta. He threw the baby in a pan along with the placenta and the instruments he used. I saw the baby move in the pan. I asked another nurse and she said it was just reflexes. The woman wanted to see her baby. So they cleaned up the baby and they put it in a blanket and handed it to her. She cried the whole time and she kept saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Brenda says, I was crying too, I couldn't take it. That baby boy had the most perfect angelic face I have ever seen. In all my professional years, I've never experienced anything like this. So she says, I don't think about abortion the same way anymore, and I still have nightmares about what I saw. Now, thanks to the Congress in 2003, largely thanks to Republicans and thanks to President Bush, partial birth abortions were made illegal at the federal level in 2003, but not thanks to the Democratic Party and not thanks to Xavier Becerra, who was in the House of Representatives in 2003 and voted against that bill going to the Senate. Now, here's the legal history of partial birth abortions very quickly for you. It was proposed in 1995 under Clinton and failed to go into law because Bill Clinton vetoed it. At the time, the bill was voted yes, 54 votes, no, um, 44 votes, I believe. Republicans who voted no were only eight in the Senate. Democrats who voted no on banning partial birth abortions in 1995, ready? 46. Republicans who voted yes on banning partial birth abortions in 1995, 45. And Democrats who voted yes on banning partial birth abortions, nine. So it goes to Bill Clinton's desk and he vetoes it, of course. Now, the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act comes back in 2003 and it was voted yes, 64, no, 34, and two not voting. Republicans who voted no, ready, on banning partial birth abortions in 2003, three, three Republican senators. Democrats who voted no on banning partial birth abortions in 2003, 31, okay? So the Democratic Party is the party of abortion and infanticide, and they made that very clear in the last couple years because they refused to support Senator Ben Sass's Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act to care for babies who survive botched abortions from being killed or left to die on the table. Now, let's circle back to why this is important. Why did I just gross you out? Likely you had to hit pause and stop eating your lunch as you listen to me describe partial birth abortions. Because you need to be aware, firstly, of the heinous act of abortion and that abortion is just as wrong at earlier stages in pregnancy as it is in partial birth abortions. Why? Because it's the same child. It doesn't matter that it's fully in the womb or it's a little bit smaller than the babies who were getting killed in partial birth abortions. It's the same human being because we know human life begins at the moment of conception. But partial birth abortion exposes the debauched moral vision of the Democratic Party. And this gets at the strategy of the pro-abortion left. 
in how they maintain their ideology. What do I mean by that? Well, they simply filter out of sight any recognition of a separate human being bearing the injuries of choice, right? They simply to pretend to believe that there is no child. There is no human being whose existence matters in the womb, or in this case, halfway outside of the womb. And they've been doing this for years, sticking their head fully in the sand and denying the existence of an external reality, that humans are humans and these babies are babies. And this was the strategy adopted by Bill Clinton, right? When he vetoed the Partial Abortion Ban Act in 1996. And here's why. Here's the strategy of the pro-abortion left, and here's how, in understanding that strategy, you can respond to it, expose pro-abortion bigotry, and force pro-aborts to deal with the philosophical foundation of their worldview, okay? Allowing partial birth abortion to pass and become law under Clinton, right, in 1995, would have acknowledged the humanity of the child and the injuries that child sustained during an abortion, right? Because, I mean, duh, right? If you ban partial birth abortions, you're saying, this is evil, this is heinous, this is disgusting, this is a baby halfway delivered, and you're sticking scissors in the back of the head and suctioning the brains out. But if the child halfway out of the birth canal is a person with value, whose murder is atrocious and indefensible, how is that same child minutes, days, or weeks before exiting the birth canal not a person with human rights? How, how could you hold that worldview together? Bill Clinton would have to argue that the fetus fairy flies up during childbirth and sprinkles magical personhood-conferring fairy dust on the child as it exits the birth canal. So when that last toe leaves the vaginal canal, it's a person. It's people now, right? Right, Joe Biden? Now they're kids and they're peoples that you can respect. Of course, this is intellectually untenable. And Hadley Arcus, a professor of jurisprudence at Amherst College and the founder and director of the James Wilson Institute of Natural Rights, helps us understand Bill Clinton's strategy. His strategy of just pretending there is no child, sustaining the injuries of choice in a partial birth abortion. Bill Clinton's strategy of sticking his head fully in the sand and denying the existence of any reality that might compromise the fictional right to an abortion. Here's what Hadley Arcus had to say in his book, Natural Rights and the Right to Choose, explaining this strategy by the pro-abortion left to go so far as to even oppose banning partial birth abortions. He says, Bill Clinton could look out on the experience of a partial birth abortion and never apparently see a child child whose skull was crushed and whose head was being collapsed as the contents of the skull were being suctioned out. That child made no impression on Clinton's visual or perceptual screen because the injuries suffered by this small being could simply not be allowed to count. Both the victims and the injuries had to be filtered out by the theory that came along with abortion rights. For that notion of rights could not be sustained while there was any recognition of a separate human being suffering injuries that were lethal. Hadley Arcs hits the nail on the head. He says, in acknowledging the humanity of the child who was halfway out of the birth canal, who Bill Clinton says should be murdered, you're exploding the philosophical foundation of your entire pro-abortion worldview, which is that these are not humans, they're not babies, they're blobs of tissue, and they're the property of their mothers. Well, if they're the property of their mothers, as the Democratic Party once said about blacks who found themselves on the land of plantation owners, then if that child is halfway out of the birth canal, wouldn't it not be full property of the mother? You can't juggle the ideological worldview balls of the pro-abortion left without condoning partial birth abortions. Because as soon as you condemn partial birth abortions, you start to drop the balls of your worldview and we see you for the fraud that you are. So Xavier Becerra is fully on board with partial birth abortions with that procedure we just showed and explained to you. And I will contend that if anyone is on board with partial birth abortions, 
they have no authority to be in positions of political power because you are filling in a hollowed out office by denying the premises of this republic which your office was built upon and was built to protect and recognize the natural rights of human beings which begin with the right to life. If you support murdering infants who are essentially out of the birth canal, you have abdicated any type of political or moral authority to hold any type of political office. Well, Xavier Becerra is only one of many now in our new woke administration that, like Biden, doesn't believe kids are people. Or if they are, they shouldn't be treated as people. And we're going to get to more of that in just one second. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars, from the pro-life movement, then consider becoming a patron of the show. Okay, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted. Check out our fun tiers, okay? We got former fetus, energetic embryo, zealous zygote, uh, sassy since conception, pro-life apologist, life defender, bane of choice, abolitionist, and the babies thank you. Each of those tiers um, support the show at a, at, a, at a greater financial contribution, but you help us expand the reach of the show, improve the production quality, move to two shows a week, begin creating interactive content on the streets with normal pro-choice Americans where we put these ideas into a conversational format and you help us change minds, change hearts, and save lives. So head on over there, become a patron of the show. We really appreciate it, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show. So as I said, Xavier Becerra is not the only person that Biden is nominating into his administration who doesn't believe that kids are people, right? At least pre-born kids. Biden has picked a man who thinks he's a woman for assistant health secretary. Now, the uh, assuming Xavier Becerra is confirmed, the assistant health secretary would work for him, okay? Uh, Xavier Becerra would lead the Health and Human Services Department, and his assistant would basically be second in command over at HHS. So in other words, Joe Biden's qualifications for appointments to HHS are apparently twofold, apparently twofold to work at HHS. Firstly, you must reject the objective findings of science that uh, babies are human and boys can't be girls. Secondly, you must support chopping up kids. Yes, one of the quali qualifications to serve in the Biden administration and the Health and Human Services Department is you must support chopping up children. Now, Xavier Becerra supports chopping up children who are halfway out of the birth canal by suctioning their brains out and basically uh, condoning and funding what would be the closest thing to a French guillotine for unborn children who are about to escape the birth canal to meet their mother who arranged their death. But you must also support chopping up kids who are already born. Now, maybe you are thinking, what the heck are you talking about, Seth? Well, Rachel Levine is Biden's appointment nominee to serve as assistant health secretary to Xavier Becerra. Rachel Levine is actually Richard Levine, who is a man, and a pediatrician. I know, wrap your head around that one. So this is a man who thinks he's a woman, who is a pediatrician, who would serve at the Health and Human Services Department, which I thought was supposed to acknowledge sort of health findings and science findings, uh, such as that human babies are humans with rights, and boys can't be girls and girls can't be boys. So we've got a whole bunch of um, sort of irony soup going on right now. Well, he supports the rights of minors to obtain hormone blockers without parental consent or against parental consent, cross-hormone treatments, cross-sex hormone treatments to tell your body to act like the other gender, uh, genital mutilation funded by your tax dollars against parental consent, and the compelling of speech of Americans to affirm that gender dysphoria of trans transgender individuals. He is also being questioned in confirmation hearings right now, and Rand Paul, just last week, brought down the science and common sense hammer on uh, Richard Levine, who goes by Rachel Levine, um, who pretends to be a woman. So we're gonna show you this clip here. Rand Paul's really been on fire recently, and he's simply acknowledging the common sense reality that most Americans acknowledge, uh, but which the Democratic Party infrastructure largely uh, says is a fantasy as they stick their head fully in the sand. So here's Rand Paul really going after Dr. Richard Levine, a pediatrician who believes he's a woman who wants to trans the kids. Play clip. American culture, is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. 
The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I would look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about minors. There you go. What a mealy-mouthed, typical leftist answer that reveals that they don't really want to say what they believe because if they do, the American public would be outraged. Despite the fact that the American public has continued to move further to the left in being okay with this kind of thing. But this is simply too radical and far left for the American public. And we all know that. And Richard Levine knows that as well, doesn't he? That's why he won't be honest with his answer. Good on Rand Paul for saying uh, the question was about minors. And if you watch the whole clip, go watch it on YouTube. He continues to question him again, and Richard, who goes by Rachel, continues to give the same answer, refusing to ask a very specific question, not about people 18 years or older, about minors. The question was about minors. And Richard Levine continues to give the answer that there are complex uh, medical understandings in this field, and I'd be very happy to explain them to you. Yeah, what, what he means is that... Um, these children should have their penises cut off or have a penis constructed in the place of a vagina uh, against the parental wishes of the parents, and your tax dollars should fund it, you fundamentalist conservative bigot. That's what Richard Levine means, and he is about to be the assistant to Xavier Becerra, who, like him and like Joe Biden, the president of the United States, and like our vice president, doesn't believe that all kids are people, and those that they deny personhood to can simply be mistreated on the altar of of uh, adults' sexual fantasies and fulfillments. It's disgusting, it's depraved, it's demonic. My friend John Stone Street at the Chuck Colson Center for Worldview uh, paraphrased uh, Richard Levine's answer here very well. And I think this is, gets to the deeper truth of the threat that this administration poses to children, to religious liberty, and to the pro-life movement. John Stone Street essentially paraphrases Richard's answer there and says, the science is settled and I will prove it to you. Uh, by coercing you to comply. Exactly. That's what this is all about. And anyone with a semi-functioning prefrontal cortex knows that. This is about the coercion of language and the coercion of the leftist view of the human person. And you know, Winston George Orwell's character in 1984 had a great line, of course, written by George Orwell, explaining this type of coercion by a big brother government who denied the existence of an objective reality. And I think that this is poignant, and I think that this is applicable to our times. Here's what Winston had to say in Orwell's prophetic novel, 1984. He said that in the end, the party would declare that two and two made five, and you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they would make this claim sooner or later, the philosophy of their worldview demanded it. Not merely the existence, not merely the recognition of experience or the existence of an external reality were tacitly denied by their philosophy. The heresy of heresies was common sense. The philosophy of the left and of the big brother state is the denial of an objective reality. And the two and two can make five. And it's not enough that you say it, you have to believe it. And if you hold to common sense beliefs, such as objective norms, the objective norms and truths of mathematics that two and two make four, the objective findings of science that all humans are persons, that human life begins at the moment of conception, and boys can't be girls and girls can't be boys, then you're a heretic because you're contradicting uh, the orthodoxy of the leftist state which has its own religious underpinnings and worldview as well. You know, the left always screams about the separation of church and state, right? And they, they talk about their fear of the impending doom of a Christian theocracy. Oh no, the Christians are going to force us to live by their Christian worldview. Well, what about the theocracy of leftism? 
What about the theocracy of the religion of secular humanism, which is a religion, and it is the religion of the left? This, they have this very selective application, don't they, of keeping religion out of politics? By the way, the separation of church and state is nowhere in the Constitution, right? It was a letter written to the Danbury uh, Church Association uh, explaining kind of what the religious freedom clause meant in the Constitution. But that language is actually not in the Constitution. But they talk about keeping religion out of politics. Well, leftism is a religion, and of course the left doesn't call for themselves and their um, political allies to keep their religion out of politics. They're very eager to put their religious assumptions and worldview into the political sphere. And if you dissent, then you be damned. And there is a name to the religion of the left. I'm not just, this is not just conjecture. I'm not just setting up a straw man in order to make my own political point. There is a religion to leftism. It's called Gnostic dualism. And it's a heresy. And it says that the soul, who you are on the inside, is all that you are. And it's all that matters. The physical word, world doesn't matter. In fact, the physical world is evil. The body is evil. It's a shell that we're forced to live in and one day will we'll vacate, right? This is the view of Gnostic dualism. The physical body means nothing. It's just the spiritual things and the soul that matters, right? So this is why they say, by the way, that boys who think they're girls are girls, right? Because the body is nothing. Your physical appendages, your chromosomes, everything that tells you biologically and objectively that you're a boy don't matter. The body's evil, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything because it's not the real you. Your real you is not your body. Your real you is who you feel like you are on the inside, your soul. That's what they believe. The real them is just hidden somewhere on the inside. They say that the real us can't even be seen. This body's just a shell. This is why they can say that babies are not persons, right? And can be killed because they'll say the unborn doesn't possess the things that make us us, right? Because they believe that the real you is your consciousness, your soul, right? Your self-awareness, these types of things, things that aren't purely physical in nature. And so if that's what you really are, and that's what a human really is, and the unborn doesn't have those things, and they're not persons that can be killed as well. You see, all of their positions on things like sexuality and gender and abortion predispose a very religious view, and it's called Gnostic dualism. It is the religious presupposition of the left, but nobody says that they have to keep that religion out of politics. Of course, it's incredibly selective because this type of religious language, it's just a political cudgel of the left to silence their political opponents who largely hold a Judeo-Christian worldview, the only type of religion that the left is concerned keeping out of politics. But of course, Rachel Levine is a man, Richard Levine, who is a pervert and child predator. Now, he may not be, as far as I know, guilty of actual physically abusing children. That's not what I mean when I say a child predator. I mean, he is promising to prey on and target confused children, right? By wooing them away from their parents to the, the real parent, the big brother state, the federal government, who will pay for and provide their genital mutilation. Yes, that is child Predators, that is a perverted view that targets children to uphold the sexual fantasies of adults. And this is the playbook of the transgender activist movement. Let me tell you the four steps in the transgender activist playbook movement. One, hormone blockers to stop your body from acting like the gender that it is. Once you've done that, you start cross-sex hormones to tell your body to act like the other gender. Once you've done that, you undergo genital reconstruction surgery to force your body to look like the other gender that your inward self tells you that you really are. And lastly, social re-entry under a new name. So Richard becomes Rachel with all the appearances of a woman because of all the hormone blockers, cross-sex hormones, and genital mutilation. But Richard Levine wants to do this to children because like Xavier Becerra and like Joe Biden, they don't believe kids are people whether born or pre-born, and they, they can merely become the acceptable sacrificial lambs on the altar of adult sexual fantasies. Disgusting, depraved stuff. And the Democratic Party has made it very clear that this is their new mainstream position. Now, maybe you think I'm exaggerating, right? Maybe you think I'm painting my political opponents as unfairly hostile to the nuclear family and to American traditions. Well, let me show you what the Democratic Party infrastructure is trying to accomplish right now. 
right now as we're recording this show, to demolish religious liberty, conscience rights, parental authority, privacy, and the pro-life movement in one fell swoop, in one piece of legislation, which has been the legislative pipe dream of the modern left for decades. But before we get to that, I want you to enjoy this show visually, right? We played some clips for you today. We showed you some clips. We're going to continue having guests on this show soon. And I know you all want to see me, of course, right? So to fully experience this show through visuals, media, and guests, then go on over to YouTube and subscribe. My YouTube channel is called Seth Gruber, A Voice for the Unborn. We're trying to grow this, right? We're trying to reach more people on these digital markets and uh, while we still can, right? So go on over to YouTube, hit subscribe, and click the notification bell, right? So you don't miss a single episode, because as long as I can continue to fly under the radar of the technocrats at Google, we want to reach as many people as possible with the truth about life and the bigotry of abortion. So help us grow that. Uh, right now, we get a couple thousand downloads on this podcast every week. So go on over and subscribe. Drive some of your following over there too. Help us reach more people. We really appreciate it. And we'll be right back with a whole lot more. If you dissent, you are a heretic of the leftist theocracy and must be treated as a heretic, which is either to compelled to obey or to be deleted and digitally assassinated and canceled. What do I mean by this? Well, the legislative pipe dream of the modern left has always been the Equal Rights Amendment, and this would give them the political power to damn you and your children. Now, that sounds great, right? The Equal Rights Amendment. Who could be against that? But of course, we've talked about this on this show. This is why the left resorts to euphemisms to hide their bigotry by making their deeply evil positions and policies just sound like equality and rights before the law for all people. So let me frame this within a strictly religious framework, right? That's what we were discussing earlier, that leftism itself is a religion with strange religious underpinnings on which their entire worldview is built. Listen, the left has mainstreamed the delusion that boys can be girls, girls can be boys, and babies aren't people. They worship that delusion with more devotion than most Christians worship God. But when you mainstream and deify delusion, then common sense people become heretics. Common sense itself becomes heresy, as George Orwell prophetically said. And common sense Americans who know that boys can't be girls and girls can't be boys and that babies are people must be treated like heretics. Well, the Equal Rights Amendment gives the leftist theocracy the political power to compel speech and behavior while persecuting those who dare to dissent. That's what the Equal Rights Amendment is all about. And it's been a pipe dream of the left since the 60s and 70s. It was always pitched under the language of equality and women's rights. But thankfully, due to warriors, cultural and political warriors like Phyllis Schlafly, America rejected the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, in the 70s. And Schlafly eloquently argued that the amendment would not broaden women's rights, but rather take away the legal rights that women already had. She made the point that in enacting the Equal Rights Amendment, it would actually be used to achieve the goals of radical feminists, such as government-financed abortions, state nurseries, right, removing children from the parents who they deserve to have raised them, same-sex marriage, and the elimination of female stereotypes in school textbooks, right? Sound, sound, sound familiar? Just creating a one-human state. There are no two genders. And if you entrench gender norms, then you're a bigot. We can't celebrate the differences between the sexes. That is, by the way, quite enjoyable, if you know what I mean. But they have to be treated exactly the same. And anything that forwards the differences between the sexes must be removed from the society by Big Brother. Phyllis Schlafly saw what was coming and equipped and activated Americans to oppose the Equal Rights Amendment. <clears throat> well, here we have it again. And now the Democratic Party, which is largely fully on board with this, has all three um, uh, areas of the United States government, the House, the Senate, and the White House. So Live Action News reports on the goal of the ERA and provides a good summary for us here. They write that the Equality Act adds a new protected category to four titles of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, including Title II, public accommodations including healthcare, Title III, desegregation of public facilities, Title IV, desegregation of public education, and Title VI, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. The Civil Rights Act outlawed discrimination based on race, color, 
or national or origin. But the Equality Act will amend the Civil Rights Act by adding sex to that list. However, the Equality Act also states that the definition of sex, ready for this, okay, listen, the definition of sex includes, quote, pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition, end quote. The ERA also adds gender identity and sexual orientation as protected classes under the Civil Rights Act. So let me explain to you what this means. What will this mean in saying that pregnancy is part of the definition of sex and preventing sex discrimination? And what will that mean for protections against discrimination based off of gender identity and sexual orientation? Because, of course, none of us wants to discriminate unfairly against anyone, and that's why they're pitching the Equal Rights Amendment under the language of equality. Let me tell you five things very quickly that this is going to do to conscience rights, to religious liberty, and to freedom, and then we're going to get to what it's going to do on the issue of abortion before we close out this show. Firstly, if a church hires a pastor who later begins sleeping with men and saying they're openly gay and are then fired for their violating the ethical conducts and biblical framework for sexual norms, the federal government would treat that as morally equivalent to firing someone for being black, right? So in short, say goodbye to religious liberty. Bye-bye. Despite the fact that that's what this country was founded upon, the Equal Rights Amendment would basically delete and eradicate religious liberty writ large. Secondly, if a pastor refuses to officiate or marry a same-sex couple, he and his church could be prosecuted for discrimination, have their 501c3 status stripped, and maybe even be thrown in jail. Isn't that lovely? Thirdly, because the ERA will redefine the Civil Rights Act to include protections for people who identify as the other gender, right? You can't discriminate against people if they're boys but think they're girls. That means that they have to have all of the rights that other boys would be given because they say they're a boy. Well, what would that mean? Well, if high schools and colleges refuse to allow biological men to compete against women because maybe that school says, well, we're feminists and we don't want to ruin female athletics and women's opportunity for scholarships, they will be sued for discrimination and faith-based schools will be threatened with losing their tax-exempt status and access to federal grants because they're bigots who are doing something morally equivalent to denying someone a job or firing them because of their skin color. That's the third thing it would do. Fourthly, because the ERA includes protections for people with gender dysphoria, right? who actually think they're the other gender and need help, because it includes protections for people gender dysphoria with no limitations on age, and here's where it really gets sick, if an eight-year-old boy says they're a girl and their parents tell them, no, Timmy, you're not, you're a boy, that's how God made you, and boys can't become girls and girls can't become boys, if they tell him he is indeed a boy and can only ever be a boy, and the federal government becomes aware of the situation, which, by the way, often happens through his school, then the child can be removed from the home against the parents' wishes who are the child's legal guardians because, according to the ERA, they would be discriminating. They would be bigots. This would be unjust discrimination against their own child by telling them that they're not the opposite Gender. By the way, this is happening in Canada. This has been happening in some European countries. The real parent, the big brother federal government, comes in to parent the child because you as a biological parent can't be trusted to do so, you bigot. Fifthly, faith-based adoption groups, right, which make up the majority of adoption groups in this country, who only place children with married parents of the opposite sex, would be shut down and sued for discrimination. So there you go. Sound like a... Uh, Oh, wait, that sounds like discrimination against others. I thought it was called the Equal Rights Amendment. I thought it was about equality. Exactly. This is the euphemistic bigotry that the left uses to disguise their position so uninformed Americans and woke evangelicals who empower the liberal establishment will go along with this, putting in place the premises that will justify their own enslavement and eradication of their liberties. But what about the pro-life issue? How will the ERA target unborn children and the pro-life movement. It's not only going to endanger religious liberty and freedom and conscience protections, it's also going to endanger unborn children. Here's what I mean by that. The left knows this and they've been wanting, they have admitted that the Equal Rights Amendment will give them everything that they've ever wanted on abortion. 
Okay? Remember, the Equal Rights Amendment amends the 1964 Civil Rights Act to protect sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes and defines sex to include pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition. And according to the allies of the legislation, would give them nearly everything they want on abortion. Ready for this? Here's the National Organization for Women. Uh, and uh, you, can, you can find this on their website. They say, an ERA properly interpreted could negate the hundreds of laws that have been passed restricting access to abortion care and contraception. So they're saying, awesome, we can just chop off the head of the pro-life movement and advance abortion rights. And then the National Abortion Rights Action League, right, NARAL Pro-Choice America, has said, quote, with its ratification, and this, this quote has been quoted at, at the Com Committee on the Judiciary on February 13, 2020, uh, Lindsey Graham uh, was quoting NARAL Pro-Choice America. The reason why I bring this up is because this quote I'm about to read you, you can find on this screenshot here at the Committee on the Judiciary, February 13, 2020, but they took it down off their website, right? Because they don't want people to know how radical they are. But here's what NARAL Pro-Choice America said. With its ratification, the ERA would reinforce the constitutional right to abortion by clarifying that the sexes have equal rights which would require judges to strike down anti-abortion laws because they violate both the constitutional right to privacy and sexual equality. <laughs> it's sexual equality to kill babies, even if you're pursuing that abortion because the child's a female and you want boys. That's sexual equality. So the abortion rights movement has told us that the ERA is everything that they've ever wanted on abortion because it changes the definition of sex. Live action news reporting, the Civil Rights Act already prohibits discrimination in the workplace based on sex. And the 1978 Pregnancy Discrimination Act includes a section that bans discrimination based on pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions in the workplace. The Equal Employment Opportunities Commission and a federal appellate court have stated that the pregnancy-related medical conditions in the Pregnancy Discrimination Act include abortion. This means that the Equality Act sponsors the view that abortion is a favorable treatment for all pregnancies, and the goal is to ensure that no one is denied abortion as a medical treatment for pregnancy. Secondly, this will endanger the unborn and the pro-life movement because it overrides protections related to religious freedom. Live Action News explains, while the Pregnancy Discrimination Act includes a subsection that states that an employer should not be required to pay for health insurance benefits for abortion, except where the life of the mother would be endangered if the fetus were carried to term, or except where medical complications have arisen from abortion, the Equality Act holds no such subsection. Rather, the Equality Act considers even abortions on healthy mothers and healthy babies to be, quote, favorable treatment for pregnancy. There is no protection whatsoever for employers, meaning they would be forced to pay for abortions through health insurance programs against their will, right? Which has violated the Hyde Amendment. Moreover, the Equality Act also states that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application or enforcement of a covered title. So this means that even employers such as the Little Sisters of the Poor, who Kamala Harris and Xavier Becerra and Obama hate, a group of Catholic nuns who have a moral objection to funding abortion and birth control could be forced to pay for abortion coverage, despite the fact that the Supreme Court already ruled that they could not be coerced into doing so. So say goodbye to, uh, to religious freedom. Say goodbye to conscience protections. And lastly, taxpayers in every state will be forced to fund abortion through various programs. This is what the left and the abortion rights movement has always wanted. Live Action explains, under the Equality Act, in addition to forcing employers to cover abortion, states will be forced to fund abortions through Medicaid or Medicare programs, which is what the Hyde Amendment forbade. Medical staff who do not participate in elective abortions and health insurance plans that do not cover abortion will be forced to do so if they receive any reimbursement under Medicaid or Medicare. So in other words, uh, uh, you want more business? Uh, and your clients want some help uh, reimbursing medical fees, uh, you can't get any of that unless you kill babies and include coverage for it in your health insurance programs. Live Action says, in considering pregnancy as a medical condition to be treated rather than as a mother and child who both need equal medical care, the preborn child is viewed as the equivalent of a, quote, illness that needs curing. 
Refusal to commit abortions may be labeled as pregnancy discrimination. So let's say, you know, uh, your friend, he's a pro-life OBGYN, right? He doesn't perform abortions or refer for them. And a woman says, I need an abortion. And he says, I don't perform or refer for abortions. He could be sued for pregnancy discrimination because sex has been redefined to include pregnancy. And so therefore you're discriminating against a woman. So you're a sexist because you won't kill her baby because pregnancy is part of the definition of sex. That's what the Equal Rights Amendment would do to unborn children in the pro-life movement. Sound great, huh? And guess what? To top it all off, I have Christian friends telling me, this is great. We need to vote for this. We need to be on board with this. This is why I voted for Biden and Harris, because I don't want to discriminate against anyone else. Just goes to show you how shallow the American public and the church's understanding is of the political sphere and of the goals of the theocracy of the left, which is the coercion of language and the obedience and abiding by their worldview or else, or you'll be damned and treated as a heretic because the heresy of heresies is common sense. And if the church doesn't wake up to this and get political because the political sphere is how we engage and determine self-government, then you could say goodbye to religious freedom and you could say goodbye to any opportunity of ending abortion in America. Final update for you before we leave the show today. Uh, last week, the House um, pushed through the Equal Rights Amendment is going to the Senate as of the time of this recording. Perhaps the Senate will have voted on it by the time you're listening to this. I do not believe it will go through the Senate, but we have been let down and surprised before. Due to the filibuster, it will require 60 votes to get through the Senate. If it does, Joe Biden has promised to sign it. I do not think that they will get the 60 votes because I believe that every Republican senator will vote against it. Pray that Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, two of the Republican squishes from Alaska and Maine, will not cave. And pray that moderate uh, Democrats like Joe Manchin will vote with Republicans against the Equal Rights Amendment. But listen, while we may avoid this, this time in the Senate, in the Senate if the church doesn't wake up and we don't begin contending in the political sphere to defend liberty, to defend life, to defend natural rights, to defend conscience rights, to defend religious freedom, and to defend the unborn then a piece of legislation like this will eventually make it through the federal courts. Make no mistake, and it will be signed by a radical president either now or in the future. It's time for us to wake up, abandon our idolatrous obsession with our witness, and begin obeying Christ by loving neighbor. <laughs> and that means making it illegal to kill preborn neighbors. Thanks so much for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes and YouTube, Spotify. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to SethGruber.com. S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter, to view my speaking schedule if you want to come hear me speak live and local, and to learn more. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Uh -huh. Uh -huh.